The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very eager to be with you today because I know that there's been so much attention given to this most excellent study that has come out of Brazil about the association between breastfeeding and intelligence, educational attainment, and income at 30 years of age. Now, Before I talk about this specific topic, I want to give you just a little bit of context here. First of all, I had been on the road for days and days. I had been teaching my comprehensive course in lactation, and then I turned around and taught my review lactation course, and I had this like one day to sleep in, and at, at some early hour of the morning, my sister calls me. My sister is not a nurse. And she calls me and she says, oh, I thought you should know about this study that about the, the fact that babies who are breastfed are more intelligent than babies who are formula fed. Well, of course, I'm half awake and half asleep. And I said, oh, okay, well, thanks, but that's old news. And she said, oh, well, I thought you'd want to know about it. And I'm saying, yeah, well, I knew that. We've we've kind of all known that for a while. But thanks. That was really sweet of you. Thanks. Okay. So I really didn't give it any more thought until I got to work. And then somebody else emailed me this, did you know about this intelligence thing? Okay. Now, understand that what's rolling around in my mind as I say this is old news. I'm thinking about the fact that when I was a clinical nurse specialist, at the University of Rochester Medical Center in 19, I think it was probably 1992 when Alan Lucas came out with his study in England that showed that premature babies were more had, had 10 points more of IQ if they were breastfed than if they were formula fed. It pretty much every, rocked everybody's world. And I'm thinking, well, this was more than 20 years ago. I'm, I'm really I'm very sure that I was working there, although I did work there for several years, but I'm pretty sure that it was uh, 1992. And I'm also thinking that the very first study that showed that breastfeeding was related to higher intelligence was actually in 1929. So in a sense, this is old news, but this new study that was by Victoria and colleagues in Brazil and just was published in The Lancet a few days ago. This study is news. It is news because it is 
different. It is very different from the previous studies that have been done. Now, I also want to give you a little background here about the researcher. The researcher is Dr. Cesar Victoria. He was the lead author on this study. There are several others whose name I didn't recognize, but the last author was Dr. Fernando Barros, who very, very often has published with Dr. Victoria. So anyway, I see this thing, and I see these two authors whom I immediately recognize because I know that they've been publishing for, I would say, the last 30 years or so. I don't know if they always publish together, but I know that that makes it credible. And then there's the fact that it's published in The Lancet, which makes it super credible as well. This is one of the more difficult places to get published. So this was really, and by the way, back to Dr. Victoria for just a moment. Uh, This man is a world-class epidemiologist, okay? I'm talking world-class. So there's a lot of credibility here and a lot of weight to this study. Now, let me be clear that this is a cohort study, which means that you can't draw cause and effect from the study. You cannot say if you breastfeed, then your baby will have more intelligence. You can't really say that. But there is an association. There is a clear relationship here. There's a number of things that make this study definitely worth your reading. And by the way, you can get this from the internet and it's free. There are a lot of things that are super excellent studies that are not free, but it turns out that this one is free and I would encourage you to do that. So what they found here was that first of all, they started out with a cohort of kids, newborns, 5,914 babies that were born in well, 30 years ago, 1982. And then they looked at them again in 2012. Now, did they lose some of those contacts along the way? Absolutely, sure. But they still came out with, just a minute, I wrote it down, 3,701 babies who are now 30 years old. And the fact that they could still get some 3,700 babies 30 years later, I think, is remarkable. What they found was that those who had been breastfed had, first of all, higher IQs. Secondly, had gotten a higher educational level. And no surprise, number three, they therefore have an increased Uh, annual income. So I think it's interesting that, first of all, unlike the previous studies, they have followed these newborns who are now not newborns, they're 30-year-old adults, and they looked at them with intelligence and uh, they looked at them on the Weschler adult scale. It was actually the third version. So this is another good piece to this study, which is very impressive. The next thing that I think is especially impressive is that uh, the evidence from the previous studies has been largely what we call observational, or some people will say non-experimental. That is, there is a thing to look at, but it's not necessarily associated with another group. Maybe that's the best way to explain it. 
Another piece that's really exciting about this particular study is that these babies were breastfed for 12 months or more, and Victoria and colleagues defined breastfeeding as what they called predominant breastfeeding. That is, the baby had very, very little food other than uh, their mother's milk, Uh, presumably for the first six months, although I could not necessarily find that in the study. Maybe I just didn't look hard enough. But they said that predominantly breastfed meant that the baby's main form of nutrition was the mother's milk with, quote, some other foods, unquote. So here we have these babies. They have followed them for 30 years, which in and of itself I think is, is quite a feat, And they said, and I quote, in this population-based prospective birth cohort, breastfeeding duration was positively and linearly associated with performance in intelligence tests, educational attainment, and income at age 30 years. So what that basically means is that if the babies were predominantly breastfed for 12 months, that they did better with the IQ, the education, uh, educational level, and the amount of annual income. The other thing that makes this study different is that they really, uh, previous studies have kind of been criticized for the fact of, well, you know, if you've got mothers who are smarter and the mothers are more well-educated, the mothers have a better income level, then sure, of course, you're going to get kids who are smarter and have better income levels and higher educational attainment. But in this particular study, and, and one of the things that makes it such a convincing study here is that they talk about the fact that the the social piece in Brazil is, is more across social lines. In other words, it's not just the intelligent mothers or just the well-educated mothers or just the non-educated mothers or whatever. That social really is not so much of a factor here. So we can't say, well, all of this can be explained by the fact that it's a it's a social piece. And then, no, it's really not a social piece. Okay? And the other thing that I think is really, really interesting is that this study does line up with a couple of really excellent studies. Uh, one was, was by Morton, and or excuse me, Mortenson, Mortenson and colleagues. And that was a 2002 study. There they did see an association between breastfeeding and adult intelligence. So that study agrees with the new one by Victoria and colleagues. And actually another study that was from Richardson and and colleagues. And excuse me, that was Richards. I've got my my uh, sons mixed up here today. And they also, their study was in agreement with uh, uh, the the recent study, and that was also in 2002. That one was out of, I believe, uh, out of the UK. So all of you UK listeners, listen up. The only one which 
was a study that did not agree with the current study by Victoria and colleagues was one by Gale and colleagues. But their study was different because they measured what we in breastfeeding call the ever-never factor. All right. That's kids that were either breastfed at some point versus those that were never breastfed at any point. And so that's kind of the ever-never thing. That is not the same as being predominantly breastfed for 12 months, which is what the Victoria study really looked at. So this is just an enormously convincing study. It is done by a world-class researcher and his colleagues. It kind of eliminates that social piece and also that they looked at these newborns who are now 30 years old and they've looked at predominant breastfeeding. So this is, yes, it's a new study. Yes, we've got a result that I would have guessed, but done in such an elegant manner. It's really, I'm just astonished. So the other thing that I would like you to know is that I just got a very nice note from Dr. Victoria this morning because I shot him a little note saying, wow, this was a really great study. And much to my uh, interest and to yours, he said that there will be a series of studies that will be published in The Lancet about breastfeeding. So, So stay tuned. Don't go away. There is more to be had on that topic from this team. All righty. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Breastfeeding Outlook. Uh, No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I will be back right after these short messages. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. 
by N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host, or born to be breastfed. I had a, a lapse there in who I was just before the break. As you know, I am the owner and operator of Breastfeeding Outlook. That's my real job. And of course, I have just been on a series of teaching in multiple cities in the United States. I will be going actually to uh, New Jersey, up to uh, right outside of Newark, which is right outside of New York City, and I will be giving my comprehensive lactation program there. Uh, Just a word about that, I would like to let you know that we will be offering the Felix Biancuso Scholarship for those who might want to apply for a full scholarship to the course in the future. Now, of course, we're done for this year, but the next application deadline is April 3rd. This scholarship is given in memory of my late father, who always believed that education was cheaper than ignorance. If you also believe that you want education because education is a good thing to have and will help you to get ahead, which was my father's daily mantra, please feel free to apply for that scholarship. You will find the paperwork for it at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I will continue to give my comprehensive course. uh, Actually, while you're listening to this right now, uh, which is uh, March 23rd through March 27th, I will be giving the comprehensive course again in May, and that will be May 18th through the 22nd in Baltimore, Maryland, at the Baltimore airport, actually. So you can take the shuttle right from the airport right over to the hotel where I will be giving my comprehensive lactation program. I will also be giving a series of review courses this spring. I did the Atlanta one. The one in Dallas is coming up in April. Baltimore is May 13th. Again, I will be in Newark, New Jersey, or just outside of Newark in May, which is May 27th to 29th, and in Boston at the end of June. That is, Boston starts on uh, June 25th. I also want to thank 
one of our advertisers for this show, which is New Angel. And I would encourage you to look at all of their products for breastfeeding mothers, but especially to look at one of their new products, which is 100% cotton pads for breastfeeding mothers. I'll give you that website. It's www.nuangel.com. Again, www.nuangel.com, newangel.com, and take a look. They've got some very cool things for pregnant as well as for breastfeeding mothers, babies, and so forth. I also want some feedback from you. If you're listening, since this is a a show that is internet-based, I've got to believe you've got a computer, yes? Yes, of course you do. So, do you have email? Yes, of course you do. All right, here's where you fire up your email package and you send me a little note. Here's how you reach me. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will repeat that. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I'm very interested in your reaction to this show because this is a show that is really different from many of the previous studies that I've done. I just focused on that study that came out a few days ago about the intelligence as related to breastfeeding babies. But in these next segments, I want to take on some other studies that have been published in 2015. Now, notice we're not even through with the third quarter 2015, but when I did a very quick, and I mean a very quick search of PubMed, I found that in 2015, there have been 197 studies published with the word breastfeeding in the title, which is pretty amazing because that doesn't even count the ones for which breastfeeding may have been in the abstract or breastfeeding may have been in the uh, subject words or any of that stuff. So this was really just a very quick study, a quick look at these studies. So I decided that I would really like to share with you some of the other interesting things that I bumped into there. And I would like your feedback about whether this is too hard science for you, or if you kind of like the hard science, or if I gave you too many, too few. Give me some feedback. I'd like to know what you think. And you're also welcome to go to my Facebook page for Born to be Breastfed as well. How did I pick these studies? Oh, sometimes because I really like the author. For instance, the first one I would like to present to you is by Lisa Amir, who is in Australia. Now, Lisa Amir publishes all the time. She's one of my favorite authors. But sometimes it's because it was one of my favorite journals or sometimes one of my favorite topics or it just plain caught my eye. So that's how I narrowed down the 197 to the handful of them that I'm going to talk about in the next several minutes. Okay, let me start with Amir's study. And this was published in Australian Family Physician. I do not believe this is available online, although I may have remembered incorrectly. I didn't write it down. Nipple pain associated with breastfeeding, incorporating current neurophysiology into clinical reasoning. That's kind of a fancy title, but let me tell you what she talks about here. 
in this study. She says that there are, she and her colleagues say that there are basically three main reasons or three main things that have been associated with nipple pain. Any of you who have been following me around for several years know that I wrote some a, an entire learning module on nipple pain, and I think it's really interesting that I narrowed it down to four main things. Uh, Dr. Amir and her colleagues narrowed it down to three, and I totally agree with all of these things. The first thing that she talked about was local stimulation, and I would certainly say that local stimulation can be something other than, well, for instance, if the woman is uh, perhaps breastfeeding for the first time, or maybe she's breastfeeding a baby and also a toddler, that might be something that I would consider along the lines of the normal discomfort that might be associated with that local stimulation. But more frequently, what I have seen in clinical practice is that People don't have, mothers don't have their babies attached correctly, or they're not detaching them correctly. So I would say that local stimulation, I totally agree with that. Just from this, as you know, I'm not a researcher. I'm just an ordinary clinical nurse specialist who's had a lot of clinical experience. And uh, I, I do agree with that. Interestingly, she talks about the second thing as being external influences. And she pulls out creams, and I would add to that nipple ointments, and breast pumps, as well as other factors that may be related to the mother, the infant, and so forth that may exacerbate the pain. I want to expound upon that a little bit and say that sometimes creams and ointments and those things are given to help with sore nipples, and sometimes I find they just make them worse. She particularly brings out breast pumps here. And I think that there's two things to be noticed for this. First of all, breast pumps don't have to hurt, and the breast flange doesn't have to hurt. You've heard me talk about that before, but I would say, nonetheless, that that might be a possibility. So be thinking about that and ask yourself, is this the right flange? Does it fit correctly? Do I have the suction up too high, et cetera, et cetera? And then the third thing that Amir and colleagues talk about are these other things that can uh, sort of be related to the pain, which include, and she calls out maternal illness, exhaustion, lack of support, anxiety, depression, we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes, and also a history of abuse. So any of those things are things that I would suggest can be contributing to nipple pain and certainly you can have pathology as well. All right, second one I want to bring to your attention is a new protocol from the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. This is of interest to you if you are a parent or if you are a provider. Barron's and another author whom you actually have heard right here on Born to be Breastfed. The other author is Dr. Miriam Labak, who was my guest a year or so ago on the show. And this is the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine's clinical protocol on contraception during breastfeeding. This is downloadable from the ABM site, and I will give you their their link. It is, I know, 
from memory, believe me, www.bfmed.org. I would encourage you to read that clinical protocol for yourself. You should draw your own conclusions about what the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine has said about contraception during breastfeeding. But basically, their bottom line is that they cannot give reassurance that artificial methods of birth control are completely unrelated to the success of lactation. And I'm I apologize if I have overstated their case, but that's the way I interpreted it. And the other thing is that they give a very strong plug for natural methods, i.e. lactational amenorrhea. And so I would encourage you to realize that until we, and of course they encourage further research and so forth, but I would encourage you to realize that if you are concerned about whether or not your contraceptive method is affecting your your milk, I would say raise that question with your physician and also recognize that there are other alternatives out there and that are natural and you might want to think about those. Okay, I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. We will be right back after this short break. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. Buy N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom and my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I would like to encourage you to send me an 
email at radio at born to be breastfed.com to let me know how you feel about a lot of this hardcore science that I'm offering today. Too much, too little, too hard, too easy. What are your thoughts? Okay, I want to continue then with some of these other studies that have been published since 2015. I'm going to move a little faster here. Clemenson and colleagues uh, published an interesting study in the Archives of Diseases of Childhood, the Fetal and Neonatal Edition. This is another one of my favorite journals, and they basically came to the conclusion, and this was, by the way, about baby-friendly, and I know that many of you are professionals listening right now, and you should know that this one was titled, Being Baby-Friendly, Evidence-Based Breastfeeding Support. So if you are, if you and your hospital are trying to go baby-friendly, I would suggest that you put your nose into this article. The authors concluded, and I quote, quote, We describe the development and impact of the UNICEF Baby-Friendly Initiative and the roles and responsibilities and challenges and opportunities that clinicians have in promoting breastfeeding and maintaining a baby-friendly culture and environment. As you know, I am the former president of Baby-Friendly USA, which I was for a year I currently do, I'm out of that now, so I do consultation for baby-friendly and uh, for for hospitals trying to go baby-friendly, and I know people are always asking me for resources, so I hope that this is helpful. Next study that I found especially interesting was by Diaz and um, a person whose name I can't pronounce, Figurido, and the title of this one was Breastfeeding and Depression a systematic review of the literature. Now, systematic reviews of literature are always interesting because, of course, it gathers together many studies. And this one was published in the Journal of Affective Disorders. Uh, What they basically said was that depression during pregnancy predicts a shorter period of breastfeeding and also, but not breastfeeding intention or breastfeeding initiation. So what that means is that if you are depressed during pregnancy, it won't necessarily affect the decision to breastfeed or actually starting the breastfeeding, but it does affect the breastfeeding continuation. So these are the people who are more likely to breast uh, to to breastfeed for a, a fairly short time. If you have depression during pregnancy, one of the things that I would suggest is that you really think about what your breastfeeding goals are and think about what sort of support you will need. Now, they didn't really address support, but I have to believe that hands-on help and strong support is something that would probably be helpful. Okay, another one that I thought was particularly interesting was by Dietrich and Miski. And this was a qualitative study called Be Positive as Well as Realistic. They asked two open-ended survey questions about support and advice about feeding your baby. And the second one was about supporter information that you did not get. So we all know that we want to give information, and if you're a parent, you want to get the information. But actually what they showed was that there were several gaps in information that occurred and that these were related to the things that we as clinicians have often heard parents talk about. For example, 
perceived insufficient milk supply, for example, latching difficulties, for example, nipple discomfort. I thought that this really backed up what I'm always trying to say, which is we need more information for people early in the game, all right? It's really hard to do something unless you have adequate information, whether it's breastfeeding a baby or doing a radio show. All right. Uh, This was a really interesting study by Esfahani and colleagues, and it talked about the title was The Effect of Acupuncture on Milk Volume of Breastfeeding Mothers Referring to Selected Health Centers in Tehran. All right, for those of you who may not be too keen on the idea of alternative or complementary medicine, I want to tell you that alternative complementary medicine is here to stay. And actually, what they found in this study was that both acupressure and general education methods were effective on the milk volume of breastfeeding mothers, and that the acupressure method in this study was more effective than the other method. This is not the first time that I have read about the effectiveness of acupuncture or other kinds of alternative therapies. So I want this to be on your radar because I think that we're going to be seeing more and more about its effectiveness. Now, those of you who have ever taken a course with me know that I am famous for saying one study does not a best practice make. But I think that when you start following those studies, you begin to realize that there is some basis here. All right, the next one that really caught my eye was a study by Valerie Flairman and colleagues. Now, Valerie Flairman is definitely one of those who, if she publishes, I'm I'm paying attention, okay? And she looked at the relationship of newborn weight loss to milk supply concern and anxiety. And she says mothers with milk supply concern at two weeks were much more likely to be breastfeeding at six months um in this this multivariate analysis so i think the moral to the story here is a couple of things we all know that milk supply is a very common reason for breastfeeding continuation she also talked a little about about excessive weight loss and that that can trigger in the first couple of days by the way the can, can uh, trigger those concerns that mothers have and then of course providers have etc 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 and so what i really want to impress upon you here is that these first couple of weeks in my opinion are really critical we need to know what's going on and how we can help these mothers okay the next one that caught my eye was actually the uh American Academy of Family Practice, the AAFP, they have released a position paper on breastfeeding. If you listen to my show with Dr. Ann Eglish, which was in January, uh, Dr. Eglish, was, she is a family practice doctor, and she was involved in this effort as well. So I just want you to know that if you are a family practice doctor and you're listening to this, be sure that you check out this statement. If you are a parent who is uh, going to a family practice doc, you need to make sure that you have this in hand or that your family practice doc rather has this in hand. It is an excellent, excellent statement and I think that everybody should be aware of it and some of us probably need to model more things after it. 
Okay, next one. This one definitely caught my eye. As many of you know, I've done my share of nursing in a labor and delivery environment. I actually really liked working labor and delivery, and so I'm always kind of attracted to these studies about intrapartum things, intrapartum being uh, labor and delivery. So whether you're a parent or a provider, I think that this study is kind of interesting. It talks about the intrapartum synthetic oxytocin, what many of us here in the U.S. would call pitocin, Uh, reduce the expression of primitive reflexes associated with breastfeeding. Now, this was published in Breastfeeding Medicine. Breastfeeding Medicine is one of the highest quality journals that is out there as related to breastfeeding. As far as I'm concerned, it is always on the top of my reading pile. Now, what I want to tell you here is that At least in my clinical experience, many, many, probably the majority of women here in the U.S. get Pitocin either during their labor or shortly thereafter. And I thought it was really interesting that in this study, they showed that the release of, and I'm quoting, the release of all rhythmic reflexes, the anti-gravity reflex and total primitive neonatal reflexes in the group Uh, that were exposed to the oxytocin was lower than the group not exposed to the oxytocin. And then they go on here to say no correlations were observed between the dose of oxytocin administered and the percentage of primitive or neonatal reflexes. So uh, this is kind of interesting if you have also read the work of Dr. Suzanne Colson, whom I know I've mentioned many, many times on this show. Dr. Suzanne Colson has done a lot with looking at those primitive reflexes. So I think we've got a lot to learn here. And I just gave you the quote uh, from that study. They go on to say, and I quote, intrapartum oxytocin administration might inhibit the expression of several primitive neonatal reflexes associated with breastfeeding. This correlation does not seem to be dose dependent. Okay. Uh, In the few minutes that we have left, I want to look at another one that caught my eye, which is a study by um, Morelius, I believe it is, and colleagues. Now, this was a randomized control trial, which is the Cadillac of studies. And they looked at the continuous skin-to-skin contact after preterm birth and the effects of salivary cortisol, parental stress, depression, and breastfeeding. This one was published in another of my favorite journals, which is the Early Human Development. Excellent, excellent journal. Uh, You probably were with me when I interviewed Dr. Susie Luddington, who is an excellent researcher who looks at skin-to-skin contact in kangaroo mother care. Uh, Another one that does a lot with that, of course, is Dr. Niels Bergman. Both of those are world-famous researchers as related to the skin-to-skin contact. But this one was a really interesting study. Uh, These researchers concluded that almost continuous skin-to-skin contact Uh, skin-to-skin contact decreases infants' cortisol reactivity in response to handling, improves the concordance between mother's and infant's salivary cortisol levels, uh, cortisol being a stress hormone, and decreases father's experiences of spouse relationship problems. I think that this is just totally excellent. I want to remind you of what Dr. Susie Luddington told us when she was on the show. She said there are over 1,000 studies that show the efficacy 
of skin-to-skin contact. And so again, this is just one more piece of uh, ammunition that show how we've got to do more skin-to-skin contact with our babies uh, immediately after birth and and thereafter. I'm Marie Biancuso. I promise that I will come back right after this message. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'd like to remind you that this show, which is kind of different than what I have done in the past, I'm trying to give a roundup here of some interesting studies that I found that have been published just in 2015 so far. And uh, I want to continue with Nakayama and Mori's study. They did one called Association Between Nocturnal Breastfeeding and Snacking Habits and the Risk of Early Childhood Caries in 18 to 23-month-old Japanese Children. If you're a professional, you know exactly what I just said. 
if you're a parent, you haven't got the foggiest idea what that means probably. But what they're trying to look at is these kids who breastfeed at night. And have you ever wondered about if it's okay for you to breastfeed your baby uh, to sleep, basically? This was published in the Journal of Epidemiology, which is a very high-level journal. And I want to tell you that we have been trying to get a couple of dentists to come on this show and really address this because as I have read the literature, it doesn't seem to me that there is a clear, helpful directive to a parent or a mother uh, interestingly, this study, their conclusion was, it, they say that it suggests that nocturnal breastfeeding, and by that they mean breastfeeding in the evening, you know, before the baby goes to sleep, and snacking habits are correlated to cavities, that uh, cavities being uh, dental caries. One of the problems that I have found with reading these studies, and I don't really understand all of this because obviously I'm not a dentist, but I I think that when they start talking about snacking habits or food or juice or any of those other things, then to me that's not breastfeeding and I don't know what it means for breastfeeding. If you'd like to hear more on that, please email me at radio at borntobebreastfed.com and I will improve my efforts to try to find some dentists who are willing to talk about this in a way that is clinically useful to the rest of us who don't understand this very well. Another study that caught my eye was one by Pound and colleagues. And basically what they found was a couple of things. Uh, They addressed the fact that newborn jaundice is among the most common problems in full-term babies in in the immediate postnatal period. And I would certainly agree. I've seen that over many years. You know, we always kind of wonder about where the breastfeeding all fits into it. And I thought it was very interesting that one of the things that they said here is that the decision to breastfeed is multifactorial. I agree. And hospital-based lactation support, they said, and I quote, maybe only a small piece of the puzzle in hospitalized jaundiced infants. And so what that tells me is two things. First of all, it makes me feel like my role with parents (laughs) might be helpful, but it's not the whole puzzle. Okay, there are more pieces to the puzzle. And it also tells me that we've got a lot to learn here about how to avoid newborn jaundice and further research and probably further support is needed. Um, The next one that really caught my eye a lot was one by Torowitz and colleagues. And this was also published in Breastfeeding Medicine, as you know, one of my favorite journals. Human Milk and Breastfeeding Outcome in Infants with Congenital Heart Disease. If you've been listening long enough, you know that last spring, and I do believe it was in March, I had an interesting conversation with three mothers who had delivered babies who had congenital heart defects. Very interesting show because all of them had different outcomes, even though the babies had the same diagnosis. This study was very interesting because they said that very few, actually only 13% of the babies that were in the study that had congenital heart defects, had direct breastfeeding, that is suckling directly at the breast, but rather they got human milk via gavage or a bottle. Now, if your baby is being gavaged, you know what I mean. So the conclusion here was that mothers who have infants diagnosed with congenital heart disease 
should be encouraged to express their milk early in the game and be prepared to continue doing so. So if you are a professional, you already know what one of your responsibilities is here. And then finally, a very interesting study by Zhang and colleagues. Again, this is a name that I've seen before. Uh, Their study was on breastfeeding and maternal hypertension and diabetes, also published in Breastfeeding Medicine. Interestingly, they said that they concluded that Chinese mothers who did not breastfeed were more likely to develop high blood pressure and diabetes in later life. Now, I want to warn you that this is a cross-sectional study, which means that we cannot, therefore, determine cause and effect. We can't say, oh, okay, well, if you breastfeed, you are not going to have high blood pressure or diabetes. And conversely, you can't say, well, formula feeding causes. This is not cause and effect. But there is some association, and it appears that breastfeeding does have some protective effect. Before I go today, I want to just briefly address all of this hype that there has been here in the U.S. about mothers posting Brelfies, and I'm saying Brelfies for those of you who haven't seen it. B R E L F I E S. That is, they are selfies of mothers who are breastfeeding their babies. This has been huge. There was an article in it on in the Huffington Post, and there are there's been so much hype about it. Honestly, the thing that I found really just crazy was that some of the some people perceived these as nudity or exhibitionism or an attention seeking spectacle i take those words directly out of what i saw in the huffington post i want you to get the idea that breastfeeding is normal folks okay breastfeeding is normal i think it's interesting that women are doing these brelfies really because I think what they're trying to do is to show that breastfeeding is normal, that mothers and babies do belong together. And by the way, the ones that I've seen don't expose any more skin than what I have seen with women on the beach here in the U.S. So I don't find them offensive. I think that it's really that we are in such a bottle-feeding culture that we think that this is somehow odd. It's not odd. It's not lewd. It's not nude. It's not exhibitionism. It's just, I think, women trying to assert the fact that they have a right to be with their babies and a right to breastfeed anywhere that they choose. And they they should indeed have that right. I don't know where this hour always goes to, honestly. It's so... I feel like I was talking as fast as I could. I would really like some feedback for you to uh, uh, from you on this show today. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. But that's all the time that we have, and I'd like to invite you to come back next week. In the meanwhile, please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that site is 
borntobebreastfed.com for you parents and for professionals. If you're looking for a course, it is www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuso. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.